0: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Threepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void or prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hey
1: everybody, it's Dave here and no Tyler at the moment. He's having microphone issues. He's is rebooting his computer of course, we were trying to troubleshoot it, and Windows went into an update mode. Yay! But no biggie. He will be back, probably by the time we run the roll-in. Hopefully. We shall see. But in the meantime, tonight, what Tyler was wanting to talk about is stuff that happened over the last week. Obviously, we got to the 53. We did some trades. Uh, as he said, Quasi was trading like he was on the New York Stock Exchange floor, backwards, forwards, and all around grabbing players. It should be interesting to see here his point, see and hear his points on those trades and how they're good for the Vikings. We'll end up the show, however, taking a look at this week, this week being Packers Week, and how we play the boys from Wisconsin here this Sunday. And who's gonna start out 0-1? And why does that team wear green and gold? Welcome to the Real Forno Show. Writer at NBC Sports Edge. Contributor at USA Today's Vikings Wire. Sports Illustrated's All Seahawks. And founder of Substack Run and Shooter. As well as a member of Climbing the Pocket. And we're back with The Real Forno Show, waiting on Tyler to bring up his computer once again. No biggie. That is what happens when you use Microsoft. I am a Mac guy. I love my Apple. Have for a long time. So I will always slam them. I worked on them for decades. Well, close to decades. And uh, I know the problem. I can feel the hurt. I want to welcome everybody here, Thomas from Illinois, G Mac, of course, Dan. Um, Mary, of course, Mary Raymond. Yes, G Mac joins us early. I appreciate that so very much tonight. So we wanted to talk about the 53-man roster. And I'm sure all have you all of you have seen who's made it. And since then, who's uh, been signed to the practice squad? There were some surprises. If you watch my show on Saturday, I thought of uh, a few surprises. The main one being Armon Watts. Why would they cut Armon Watts? And uh, they replaced him with Ross Blacklock-ish. Well, there's going to be... Uh, Jonathan Bullard or Ross Blacklock is the starters on the line. We do not know yet. Do know from today's reports that Ross or that Jonathan Bullard was on the sidelines. Don't know why, but he was on the sidelines. Ty talking about culture matters. Yes, culture matters. I could bring this up. This wasn't planned, but everybody's been seeing all the reports that are coming out lately on... Uh, the reports I'm going to switch screens the reports from some of the former players, coaches and whatever slamming that Mike Zimmer was in a bad place and he brought the players into bad place but now Satan has left the building per one of his ex-coaches we can guess who that one is uh, I'd heard it was Filippo, but who knows we have a new coach new system new everything everything is kumbaya warm fuzzies and uh, we've got a good attitude going into the season and i do believe and everybody's worked with that absolute sourpuss of a boss that uh can just bring the whole workplace down and you don't want to be one if you are a boss. You absolutely don't want to be one. But if you are, it's it's detrimental to the production, right? The team was good, but because that was detrimental, you couldn't get the most out of them. Because you hate your quarterback, right, for whatever reasons, you can't get the most out of them. It seems counterproductive, it was counterproductive. It cost Mike Zimmer his job. Deservingly so. I mean, there's a lot of things I liked about Mike Zimmer, but you don't want to run a an organization that way at all. Especially on the football field. You want everybody buying in and pushing forward. It's a team game. You want to lead. Positivity is part of that leadership. And you want that to spread. You want the everybody to be invested. And you want everybody to go for that one goal. And if you're constantly picking on certain individuals, that doesn't happen. Um, And the rest of the team sees that. And like I said, it costs us his job. Yeah. Mary, I was surprised by Newman's uh, comments as well. And Newman, I think said afterwards, he still loves Mike Zimmer. um, But it's just Mike got in a really, really, really bad place. And it does happen. Um, you know, what it, was it the death of his wife? Was it the death death of, you know, uh, Tony Sperano? There's all sorts of things. Was it the pressure? Was it, you know, not getting his quarterback? The injury to Teddy Bridgewater, who was his quarterback? There's all sorts of things that could have been done. Yes, uh, Purple Haze, Wilson were also bamboozled by uh, Pretty Boy Spielman. Rick Spielman had his issues as well. And then in the last year, it all just came together. Mike and Rick not talking. It just was a dysfunctional family is a good way to put it. And nothing ever comes great out of a dysfunctional family. I mean, if you've seen dysfunctional families try to get together for Thanksgiving or Christmas, it's always a disaster. Um, And that's sort of what it turned into. Hopefully that won't be the case now with... Kevin O'Connell and his crew, and Kwesi, obviously, at the the front end of that. But we will find out. Hopefully, Tyler will get his stuff running here shortly. I didn't plan on this being a solo show. But back to the 53-man roster. We had, like I said, Armand Watts being the biggest one that uh, was released, and we got Blacklock in replacement. I think we had a competent defensive line. Now I question that, whether they can be that way. They can. It's all in how they utilize them and as if they can get the most out of Blacklock because he was in a dysfunctional situation himself down there in the Houston Texans. If they can, we we are good, and plus I don't think they're going to play the three-down linemen um all that much. Mike had a psyche. I think he got to the point. I mean, a man can only take so much. Um, where's Darren? Darren's up in Yellowknife. He's you know, it's normally he's he's with me on Saturdays. I should shoot him an email, see if he'll hop on real quick. Um but that was the big trade. There was also, they released Emir uh, Smiths Marchette, which people are like, oh, wait a minute, you know, he showed capability, and they traded for Jalen Rager. Jalen Rager was a first-round draft choice, as we all know, taken before Justin Jefferson, and has been compared to Justin Jefferson ever since, and has failed to even come close when it comes to receiving what Jalen Rager is that Emir Marset, Smith Marset was not, ISM was not, is a punt returner. And he was quite a good punt returner. So that made sense. Plus, you've got to remember that every high draft choice that's made gets chances after chances after chances after chances to excel. The news that broke right before this show went on the air, or relatively close to it, is our old buddy. Uh, Laquan Treadwell, who I thought was finally out of the league, and I was wrong, the New England Patriots picked him up today. So we will see Laquan Treadwell on the Patriots this season. And all of us are going, yeah, but why, right? There's a first-round draft choice that did not even come close to his potential at all while he was with Minnesota, And then he went off to Carolina. He did a little bit better. And it's just, but it was nothing, nothing that, you know, you would expect from a first round draft choice. And let's switch screens. Somebody is back. Does his microphone work?
0: Dave, I hope so. Can you hear me? Yes. All right. We are in business, ladies and gentlemen. I sincerely apologize for the delay. I hope I sound a lot better because after a lot of talk with Dave, we have massively upgraded my microphone situation. We'll be a little touch and go this time because afterwards, Dave and I are going to spend a few minutes making sure this 100% ready to go. But I am thrilled to be with you here today. I was in a car driving from Chicago all day preparing and getting excited for this show. Dave, we're going to spend some time talking about the 53-man roster, because okay. the last time that we talked, we had only had five roster moves before the absolute landslide that hit on Tuesday, and there were some big ones that happened. But first, Dave, I got I have, to ask, I have to ask you, my friend, how are you?
1: I'm doing great. It's another beautiful day down here in Central Texas. A little bit warm, but we're not in 100, so all is good. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. And let me tell you, um, after the all out pay per view and the infighting that happened backstage last night, let me tell you, the Mike Zimmer era looks like a cakewalk compared to what Tony Khan has to deal with right now. So <laughs> that that is a something to at least look forward to here. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna just jump right in. Um go right ahead. Let's like talk, I said Dave.
1: the viewers are primed.
0: Yes, they are primed. You did a great job taking care of the show and I greatly appreciate you, Dave. <laughs> Big thing we need to talk about right away. We need to talk about the trades. Kwesi Dolfa is using the National Football League like it's the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. He is using a money ball approach. And Ty is 100% right. Rager is only due $1.8 million and then $2.4 million next year. For a fourth wide receiver, that is a veteran with massive upside because that's what the player is. This is a great use of resources. Now, do you necessarily love the fact that it could end up being a fourth-round pick? No. We don't know 100% what those conditions are yet, Dave, because the only thing we've been told was the fact that statistical thresholds need to be met to rise that from a fifth to a fourth. That's all we know. We right. don't know what those are.
1: Well, you would. Assume, I assume, I shouldn't say you would assume, I assume, and whoops, Jalen Rager's a little bit big there. <laughs> This is Jalen Rager in his new uniform, folks. And yes, that yep. is a, I don't know if I'd call that a good luck number or a bad luck number. Um, you would assume that because, hold on. Well, now I lost my thought. You would think he's got the upside. Because where he was drafted, what he came out with, what he showed at TCU, he's got more upside available than ISM. Now, you could be wrong. Mm-hmm. Statistically, if you look at all the players that came through the NFL, the ones drafted at the higher levels have better careers and more upside than the ones at the lower levels. Yes, the ones at the lower levels do hit. Stephon Diggs, Yeah. Right? Um, there's There's plenty of those. Tom Brady, the GOAT, right? But Mm -hmm. more often than not, the higher you're selected, the more stuff that is seen. However, I just gave you the example of, and also the more chances you get with uh, Laquan Treadwell being signed by the Patriots about an hour or so ago. So I think he has more upside. You get him into a different style of offense much better throwing quarterback, right? He has a chance to make those statistical markers. Now, are those statistical markers based on plays, yards, uh, if you know one of the, our top three get hurt, him coming in, how many games started? All sorts of things can go into that contract. Mm-hmm. We don't know, and we won't find out until the contract's leaked. But as of right now, as a wide receiver, four. You don't think he's going. I don't think he's going to make it because he's probably only going to have what? 50 snaps, maybe. As a wide receiver.
0: Hundred. No, D- Dave, in this offense, we're probably talking to 300, because remember that we're in a world where we're going to be rocking three wide receivers consistently and um, this is a hypothesis, but I think the reason why they ended up prioritizing Rager over Amir Smith marset could be the blocking. That could play into it. I have not had an opportunity to compare the two as far as how quality of blocking Downfield they are, blocking, how they are as a wide receiver. Yeah. Rager also has experience as a punt returner and has flashes as a punt returner. The tough part about this is he's got brick hands and he's mucked quite a few punts. So, yeah, saying that he's objectively he's also, a much better,
1: well, like Thomas said, the second-rated punt returner last year, and last year yeah. wasn't his best punt returning year. His rookie year was. By what
0: he's muffed like eight punts. He, moved, it, he muffed three last it's, year.
1: That's a lot. That is a lot. I don't agree. That's why you know back in the day we used stick them. Now they use mm-hmm. the gloves. It's it's a tough job it's one of the toughest jobs in football
0: yeah well uh, he is going to be coming in here as the fourth wide receiver and he's going to need to be able to figure that out quickly if he does there is still upside because he's fantastic in the open field and you know Raymond you make a good point McCardell did McCardell push for this was this something that he was really interested in because we know he pounded the table for Jalen Naylor and I believe that was a deciding factor of keeping him over either Amir Smith-Marset or Tristan Jackson because the, the receivers coach, and we kind of saw it on hard knocks. They've, um, they alluded to it. They told all their coaches, give me uh, ev- like your depth chart for your position. And then they're kind of going from there. We're going to see how they process final cuts on tomorrow's episode. Wouldn't shock me if this was a McCardell call. And quasi listened to his guys like a great manager is supposed to. So this is going to be really fun to play out. At the end of the day, even if Rager doesn't work out, one, it was a smart investment on a premium asset, giving up almost nothing for it. Like, oh, look, a fourth-round pick feels like a lot, but at the end of the day, for a Dart throw like this, because Rager's ceiling is still a quality starting receiver in the National Football mm-hmm. League. Like, um, I don't remember who mentioned it. I think it was Raymond. The change of scenery. That can make a massive difference. And getting him over here could be that thing. And the last time the Vikings acquired a former star wide receiver from the Philadelphia Eagles <laughs> on kind of weird terms, he ended he up going to the National Touchdowns. Football League Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but they, they, Carter left for different reasons because he ended up having a well-known drug problem, mm-hmm. and they felt like they couldn't help him. this is the only way to do so. Dennis Green helped turn him around, and voila. Will Rager have that? Probably not. Is it plausible and likely that he has a better time here than he did in Philadelphia? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So let's kind of see how this plays out. And the next one, Ross Blacklock, Mm -hmm. a gap-penetrating defensive tackle from Houston. Spent two years there. Look, the guy is going to be a very quick presence rushing the passer. What he's not going to be is great in run defense. He is does not have the physical strength to really shed blocks, maintain gaps, but he's going to be phenomenal running, rushing the passer, being a quick penetrator. You can kind of line him up everywhere uh, when asking him to do that on the interior, and I think that's going to be a massive benefit. Now, the question remains, can Chris Rump get that out of him where he can control a gap? Where he, can he hold a block and then let uh, the linebackers get in free and be able to make the tackle. Those are the questions with Blacklock and in doing so Armand Watts a couple years older not as high of a pedigree limited upside in comparison the Vikings saved over a million dollars by moving on from Armand Watts and acquiring Blacklock for basically a swap of day three picks you can say hey I wanted to keep Watts that's fine Watts is a very good player he's projected to start for this team but they're betting on one financial two upside when they're talking about making this decision. So we're gonna have to w- watch, wait, and see how this plays out. The Vikings right now have two about two point five million dollars in cap space, which is basically enough to sign a couple guys if you get injuries. That's about it. Uh-huh. Like barely,
1: we're, we're not. Uh, uh, barely Minimum's going to be around a million. So you're you're barely. Um,
0: it depends. That's that's a veteran minimum. Minimum, I believe, is about 700, 750K. So, um, look, shocked. they don't have a lot of cap space. They needed yeah. to make this move. And along with the next move, Dave, because they finally traded our least favorite traffic cone in the National Football League, Jesse Davis. And they got a conditional 2025th seventh round pick from the Pittsburgh Steelers. And they save a total of $1.5 million on the cap. They signed I, w- I wonder years. what's
1: in the clause of that contract that we get I the think- seventh.
0: My guess, Dave, is he needs to play for the Steelers, just like the Nick Mullins. He needs to play one game for the Vikings. And I think that would be my guess, but we haven't been told specifically what those conditions are. (laughs) But I can't imagine they're too much different. Davis was signed a one-year $3 million deal with a void year because they gave him a $1.5 million signing bonus, and they guaranteed his salary of $1.25 million this year. Now, in trading him, they incur a $750 cap hit this year and next year with while avoiding having to pay his salary and bonuses this year. So honestly, for a guy that they weren't intending to keep, and he goes to a place that desperately needs offensive line help. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a win-win for both teams, and the Vikings save a little bit on the cap. And quite frankly, we're going to continue to see these money ball-like moves from Kwasi Adolfo because he's going to try and maximize the talent and potential on this team by utilizing financial savvy moves. Now I think like if you remember the movie Moneyball, the big thing was get on base. What cool. does he do? He gets on base. If he gets on base, you can score. Now, would it be great if you have Jason Giambi hit a bunch of homers driving a bunch of runs? Yeah, absolutely. But he strikes out a lot. If you can replace him with a guy who gets on base nice. just as often, you mm-hmm. can make things happen. And you can make things happen in a smarter approach. Because you don't have the financial flexibility to do whatever you want. And I think that that could really work well here. But we have to see how it plays out because these are upside-based moves. And objectively, the two players they acquired versus the two they released have much higher upside. Now it's up to the coaching staff to be able to maximize it. And if they can do that, we're going to be lauding Quasi Doflamensa as a really smart individual who made calculated risks based on uh, the information that he had in front of him. And we're going to see a lot of this. So buckle well, up and get ready. We're also going to see
1: um, two out of the three of them come back all the time, and that's Armand Watts and ISM mm-hmm. because they were picked at, picked up by Chicago. And Armand Watts is going to be a starter on their defensive line, mm-hmm. so We're obviously going to see him. And ISM, and this is good for him, is assuming the wide receiver two slot. From fighting for the wide receiver four or five slot, he is now wide receiver two. So if the kid has the talent that we all thought he may have, he'll have a chance to make a good career for himself, not in Minnesota, but at least in Chicago. And I like that because I like good stories like that. And the fact that we get to see him again. So we'll find out.
0: Yeah, this is going to be a very, very interesting uh, season, and we're going to continue to see moves like this from Quacy Dolefamenta. I'm honestly fascinated to see how this continues to evolve, but we're going to have to see how it evolves uh, throughout time. We can only do so much by guessing right now. Um, and, the, and then, one
1: thing I want to say: all right, he did all these trades right before mm-hmm. the season. Right, we were always used to trades by Slick Rick on draft day. Right, that was normal, and of course, he's always trading down. He's trading down. He's trading down. He's going to own the seventh round. He's trading down. Right, we saw all those. We weren't used to trades unless they were an emergency panic move at this time of year, and it's going to be interesting as the years go on if this becomes a pattern for Kwesi, and that he plays it differently than any other GM, because most GMs don't do this, and makes money, speaking of money ball, getting guys on base and advancing the runners.
0: Absolutely. This is going to be really fun, and we have a completely different philosophy of how to win football games. Guys, this is going to be a fun Viking season, and we're going to start off with Dave. Week one, some call them that team from Wisconsin – Most absolutely hate them. It is our biggest rival, the Green Bay Packers. Come into U.S. Bank Stadium on Sunday, September 11th for America's Game of the Week on Fox, a 325 kickoff. And this is going to be a really interesting game, Dave. And I want to start with the quarterback position because we know in a vacuum, Aaron Rodgers is a much better quarterback than Kirk Cousins. What is really intriguing to me here is the weapons surrounding them is a much bigger disparity now than it ever has been, especially when you talk about chemistry, cohesiveness. The only uh, receiver, two receivers on their top five depth chart, Mm -hmm. Alan Azard and Randall Cobb. Then you have rookies Romeo Dubs and Christian Watson and longtime vet Sammy Watkins. There's talent in that room. The problem is there's no Devontae Adams. Now, this could go one of two ways. Devontae Adams was a cheat code. It was like in NFL Blitz, when you give yourself infinite turbo, you have that little bit to be able to overcome, oh, I made the wrong throw, or hey, you know, I just need a little bit of speed in order to get past this defender. With Devontae Adams, all they had to do was look at each other, and boom, first down. And they did that consistently. They did it against everybody. He doesn't have that security blanket anymore. And what's really intriguing to me is the fact that Aaron Rodgers is going to have to play more within the offense and less off script. Now we know he, some of the plays and concepts in this offense really fit to Roger's strengths, but he's not going to be able to have that in the pocket cheat code that he had with Devontae Adams. And I think that's a big thing. Um, Ty mentions that uh, Kirk owns Rogers with a four, three and one head to head record. Um, I, I Don't think that's correct. I want to say it's four two and one because Kirk did miss one game last year, so just in their head to head, um, it would be one less for the Vikings.
1: um, And it could be. And Aaron Rodgers talked about how Zimmer would scheme against him and
0: what a chess. And that's the other thing. Zimmer's not here. How is that Donatel going to be able to control uh, Aaron Rodgers? because that, that was know. one of the that was one of the underrated elements of mike Zimmer he rarely got destroyed by a great quarterback he was really good at containing them now the offense could beat him but he was not going to let the quarterback just go all day and beat his ass and I think that was one of the major positives and when when I've been talking on this show about the fact that you're just expecting Kevin O'Connell to keep everything that's good and rise everything that was bad. You can't exactly do that. It's not as simple as being black and white. There, are, There is a wide spectrum here. And it's, it honestly starts with some of the things that Mike Zimmer was great at. Applying pressure is key, and we're going to talk about that, Raymond. The Vikings need to be able to stop Aaron Rodgers, and it is not as simple as, oh, Donatel is going to duplicate everything that Zimmer did. It's really not that. It's, no,
1: it's it's not. It's going to be different. They're, yeah. they're playing dif- mm-hmm. different
0: defenses. So Yeah, and it, we just we need to temper our expectations there. Rodgers could have a dynamite game because it's Aaron Rodgers and he's not going against Mike Zimmer. Uh, yeah. While most of us were celebrating, Aaron Rodgers was too because he knows he's not going to have to deal with that defense that gave him fits, year, year after year, after year, where he would just dominate Aaron Rodgers. That's gone now. What will Donatel do? Will he do a lot of uh, simulated pressures, which was a, really a Zimmer creation? Mm-hmm. Will he uh, be using a lot of Z'Darrius Smith and Daniel Hunter in the A-gaps and bring in Patrick Jones and D.J. Wanna throw them on the outside? There are a lot of variables here that we just don't know how Ed Donatel is going to call this defense because – Oh, okay. the Washington game. Well done, Ty. I completely missed that. Um, so like, it's going to be very interesting how Donatel calls the Van Gio style defense because we really haven't seen Donatel as a play caller since the 4th and 26th debacle when he was the uh, defense coordinator of Green Bay going into the Philadelphia Eagles in that divisional round game in 2006. So we're, we just don't know. And because there's so much we don't know, and it's going to be very interesting, and I want to see how it progresses. Now, the one of the other things, Dave, that we need to talk about is injuries. The Green Bay Packers have their All Pro offensive tackle David Bakhtiari. He is projected to play in Week One. On the is saying that
1: Ah, YouTube you. We're getting spam people. I'm trying to get rid of it.
0: That's fine. You do that. I will keep talking about injuries. Irv Smith Jr. is on track to play week one. We don't know if either will play, but trending that they will is a big sign for both sides. Uh, Bakhtiari, obviously the bigger element because he is an all-pro left tackle. And if you have an all-pro offensive lineman, it is a weak link system. You would rather have uh, not have a Garrett Bradbury than have a David Bakhtiari, but you love having a guy like David Bakhtiari on the outside who can be a stalwart, who can really be a cornerstone for your offensive side of, the, of your football team. Um, this is uh, this is very very interesting to see if he will play. If he does, Darius Smith is going to have fun with him.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, well, got
0: it, Boone's it, Farm <laughs> connoisseur, yes, I love it.
1: <laughs> but the deal with. Bakhtiari is—he tore that in December.
0: So no, Dave, he tore that in December of 2020. Oh, I thought it was December. Of he last played year. last year, and then I think he had off-season surgery to clean some stuff up, okay. and he's coming back There's from that definitely. because he played in week 17, in week 18 against the Cardinals. No, week 17 against the Cardinals, and then he played in the playoff game. So yeah, he has. I still think
1: Smith in. and hunter are going to have a field day mm-hmm.
0: yeah um elton jenkins i don't know if i don't think he's playing that's a big loss um but the packers are among the best in the nfl drafting and developing offensive linemen they're just really, really good at
1: offensive linemen
0: yeah pretty the much uh, it, we we won't get into the hug dave but you're right just, you're right um injuries on the viking side Andrew Booth Jr. I think that he is going to end up playing. Um, all reports that I have heard recently are the fact that he is going to be available for Week One. We will see how that progresses, and when the first injury report drops later this week, that is going to really tell the tale of where this Vikings team is as far as health. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, now, as we talked about that weakling system, the biggest matchup, and I I wrote about it for the Vikings Wire, and you'll see it later this week. The biggest matchup for this game is going to be the interior of the Vikings offensive line against Kenny Clark.
1: Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will
0: match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, cars.com will get you an instant
1: offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a
0: local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. They have to be able to stop Kenny Clark. It feels like he's been in the league for 30 years, Dave. The man is 26 years old. He got drafted incredibly young. And good on him. He got drafted young. He made an impact early, got a big contract, and he'll be in position to get a second big contract. And this is why, when we start getting the draft stuff come January and February, age matters. Because you can get more out of a player early, and you can sign them to a third contract by the time they turn 30. Mm -hmm. And then you can really maximize the effectiveness of that player, and they can maximize cash flow. It's why it matters. Kenny Clark is a prime example of it. We have seen him time after time, Dave, forklift Garrett Bradbury. And that's been the issue with him. He has no sand in the pants. He can just be lifted easy-peasy lemon squeezy.
1: Let's see the improvement over the offseason, how much he's actually done. And, Mm -hmm. yes, our offensive line coach and Wes Phillips – and Kevin O'Connell are going to be helping with two quality guards, hopefully babysitting him as well. So, Mm -hmm. and scheming away from hopefully that up the middle. We'll see.
0: See, uh, this is going to be very interesting, Dave, because do you really want your rookie starting right guard, Ed Ingram, helping out your fourth year center? Like I feel like that's asking too much. And they need to figure out a way to help Garrett Bradbury, but asking your rookie right guard to do it feels like, one, a not wise use of resources and putting Ingram in a position to make mistakes. Because we remember that sack against Javon Kinlaw. I know, but I kind of want to finish this, because we remember that sack against Javon Kinlaw. Mm -hmm. He is not 100% with where he needs to be on how he needs to set on every single play. He over-set it way far to the right. Boom, Kinlaw yeah. goes right on the inside. Sack made it pretty easy. Ingram tried to recover, but when you have a guy who's that dominant on the inside, you're not going to be able to. And that is something that I worry about with whatchamacallit? Kenny Clark. If all of a sudden Ingram has to bounce and try mm-hmm. and help or help and then bounce and get his guy, are we going to have to worry about that overset again? And Ingram making mistakes, or not necessarily making a mistake, but being asked to do something he shouldn't be, and then all of a sudden he's the one giving up the pressures and the sacks. That is going to be a battle that's going to be worth watching. It's going to change the football game, whether good or bad for Minnesota. And the easiest way to pressure Kirk Cousins is right up the middle because he shrinks into a corn cob. The second there's pressure up there, it's, okay, I'm done and he just curls up into the fetal position, which he's not going to exactly run away from those guys. And it, it's kind of a two-fold thing. Now, if, if it's coming was, at him.
1: Yes, Kirk Cousins has been that way. But is he going to be that way now with Kevin O'Connell in his ear? Kirk Cousins was very much risk-averse and a very conservative. And Mike Zimmer wanted him that way. And, of course, he's not going to step out of bounds because that hurts his stock. Is, is is that possibly changing with Kevin O'Connell? And that he's willing to maybe take... And Kirk Cousins has been known to take some hits and make some throws right at the last second. Is he willing to do more of that this season?
0: I.e. play that's, that's a good question. I, I genuinely don't know... Um, the, the the big issue I have with Kirk Cousins and is he doesn't have killer instinct, and I've talked about it at nauseam, Dave. I I don't know how much having Kevin O'Connell is going to come in here to change it. We talked about it. O'Connell has talked about it in press conference, like trying to get him to make the throws. He's not to free up his with.
1: mind and
0: all that. Yes, yes. like uh, send him to a Buddhist breath. temple, like hot yoga, like just get him relaxed. I, I, well, I honestly I, don't know what like what you need to do because it, this has been an issue this whole time, and it's the old adage: you can't teach an old dog new tricks.
1: Whereas I, I, whereas I object to that because it was back in the days when a crusty old master sergeant told me, Dave, if we have a fire on the flight line and this B fifty two's burning. And one of next to it's about to catch fire, and you're on the radio directing things. You need to be the calm voice. You need to be the 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 ice cool response focused on what's going on. And I, it took me working on it, but it got to the point where I could because I'm Italian, blooded by heritage. And I'm emotional. I play football. I get loud, right and crazy. But it took me to where, yes, very much so, I could get into the mode of the emergency response. Fire truck so-and-so, go to spot so-and-so. We've got casualties on spot neck right next to it, five. Send the ambulance there, blah, 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 blah. Tow teams, get ready to move airplanes, yada, 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 right? And you can work through situations like that. And I've been through a handful of them myself where you can do that. Football is very much the same way when it comes to playing quarterback or almost any position. In in any position, it's the reads. You're reading, you know, if this guy does this, then I do this. If this guy does that, I do this, right? Well, quarterback, because it's so involved, it takes a little bit and everything's dynamic coming towards you. You can slow that down and calm it down and make good choices. Things go that way. If Kevin O'Connell can get him to thinking that, and I don't know how he would go about doing it. um, I might have some, I could come up with some ways, but I might, uh, I don't know how Kevin O'Connell can do that. But if he does, Kirk can get better in those situations. That is what I am talking about. If he can do that, if Kevin O'Connell can unlock that, and not being an old dog, not learning any new tricks, but an old dog learning new tricks, here, let's give him a biscuit. Um, I think this offense can truly be unlocked in one of the absolute best in this league this season. How's that for positivity?
0: Dave, I understand where you're coming from, and I think there's truth to what you have to say. Here's my rebuttal and why I disagree. You have Kirk Cousins, and I I, I, I want to say it's different just because some of the things you were dealing with in the military were more of a matter of life and death.
1: Well, yeah. And, and this, whereas we take incoming football, fire, you've got to be able to think clearly. You've got to train and, and yourself I, to do that.
0: Yeah, and I, I see where you're making the comparison, and I think it makes sense, but I also don't think it makes sense in the same light because you're talking about a guy who – like, some of the things you are dealing with, my guess is you dealt with them a handful of times in, to, in comparison to how many decisions Kirk Cousins has made in the pocket over the course of 20 years as a starting quarterback. yeah. You, but kept, we you, you see them. what I mean? Absolutely. That's how we so, got good at them. We practiced. We practiced. We practiced. We practiced. We
1: practiced. We practiced. So mm-hmm. when we got into life-threatening situations, and there was probably more than a handful, but when we got into them, you knew how to react or you had something to base it on. But you practice those situations. Kirk Cousins, Kevin O'Connell can walk Kirk Cousins through using, you know, the VM firmware, whatever, however he wants to do it. Those situations. Let's think. Let's think these through, and go at it as uh, as an exercise. If this and this happens, you're going to do what? Let's take these steps back together. This and this has happened. Now you've got this guy in your face. What do you do? I sidestep this way. Okay. If this and this, if Garrett Bradbury, you're looking downfield, and suddenly you see this big purple lump coming into your face. What do you do? And rather than go, "Oh shit," I take a step sideways, or another step back, or whatever it is. You can train if he's willing to do that. He, anybody can be trained. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. you're not set your ways completely in life. You can always learn something new. Hell, I've been doing video. Uh, podcasting, right, and producing for years now. I didn't know how to do that before I started. It takes time to learn, and we're getting spammed again. Yes, thank you. Uh, your turn while I clear this.
0: Yeah. So, one of the reasons why I don't I don't agree, Dave, is because it, you have a quarterback who has thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands, upon thousands of reps. Where he has had the same mindset, and I'll never forget one of the big talking points around Tim Tebow when he came out of the into the NFL draft was his throwing motion was too long, and they talked about ad nauseum. Hey, when you have that throwing, um, uh, when you're when you have that throwing motion, you have so many reps, and it's muscle memory. All right, you have this muscle memory, and you, then you have to have thousands of reps in order to fix it. I feel like it's not too dissimilar. Where if he sees the same route concept coming open at this like this right time, he's going to make the the safe throw. Um, and that's the problem. He keeps wanting to make those safe decisions, and you have to completely rewire the brain. But it can and be done. I think I think it can. I just don't think it will. And I think that expectation needs to be there. Because it's been a a problem for 20 years. And if he can't,
1: just like Bruce said, if he can't, then Kirk Cousins is done. Right? Pardon me. They'll say with the Vikings, KOC will go to the Wilfs and Kwesi next year and say, hey, yeah, we got him for one more year, but we're drafting. We need to draft. I'm going to start looking at draft picks to replace him.
0: Yeah. And we're going to talk a lot about quarterbacks in the, in this upcoming college football season on a somewhat regular basis because there's going to be a lot to talk about. But we're not going to get into that today, even though um, Joseph mentioned earlier today Anthony Richardson for my Florida Gators baby was phenomenal. Um, but let's kind of talk, wrap this discussion up with the Green Bay Packers and Minnesota Vikings. Another element that I'm very intrigued to see, Dave is how this new-look defense is going to attack. Because we genuinely don't know. It was very vanilla. Is it going to be very aggressive? Is it going to be conservative? Are the corners going to be left on on an island a lot? Are we going to do a lot of sub-packages with three safeties? Are we going to have three to four edge rushers on the field at once? How are we going to utilize our linebackers? There's so many questions about how... This version of the Vic Fangio defense is going to attack offenses. And quite frankly, I'm very excited about it. It's going to be different. It's going to be fun. Daniil Hunter is going to be standing up and attacking offensive tackles or guards, just being uh, a ridiculous monster. He's built like Iron Man. like Just chiseled.
1: Like an Atlas. He is. And women just love looking at his arms. Yes.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. It's jealous. It's disgusting. Whatever. However you want to describe it. If you want to get your wife, girlfriend, whatever, excited, show her. Daniel Hunter's arms.
0: Oh, yeah. Look, I'm not going to lie. It gets me excited. Like, it's that. Look, it's they're incredible. Like, uh, he's just a different type of human being. And honestly, you're going to see that a lot from the National Football League. They're just different, Dave. And like, this is very exciting for the Vikings and being able to kind of look throughout um, this roster and try and figure out how things are going to project out. Um, Is Justin Jefferson going to be used in a better way this season? Um, Is K.J. Osborne going to really take a step up and play in that Cooper Cup? type role because it sounds like jefferson's just going to be used everywhere whereas right. cooper cup kind of had that he was in the slot he was doing a lot of the dirty work they were doing a lot of choice routes it sounds like jefferson's going to be spread out everywhere how's adam feeling going to be utilized in this offense red zone baby. we have so many Cats question and, touchdowns. Marks. Mm-hmm. and oh yeah he was great for my fantasy team yeah the five catches 30 yards two touchdowns Mm-hmm. That, that that was that kind of stuff was just regulars from Thielen. I'm really excited to see how this progresses. And I'll tell you this my prediction for the game is going to be a Vikings three to four point win. I have a it 28-24. 20 it's barely gonna eclipse over a 51 and a half. Look, these teams hate each other. They're going to have a week one slop fest. It's gonna be sloppy on both sides. Like Rodgers is going to be figuring out his new receivers cons- to be consistent on the field. The Vikings have a brand new offense and a brand new defense that they're trying to run. Mm-hmm. And there hasn't been a lot of playing time for either side. We're, we're gonna, it's going to be a sloppy shop on Sunday. Right. And that's because okay. Aaron Rodgers didn't play.
1: Kirk Cousins hadn't played. It's all it's new. It's new to the Packers because they haven't seen this offense before. Mm-hmm. It's going to be interesting. Interesting game. I saw right now the line is anywhere from Packers favored by a point and a half to even. Um, but I really think the Vikings can pull this one out. I don't think it's a uh, decided advantage for Green Bay. I think actually it's going to be less of one because they have not seen this version of the Vikings before. So, yeah. And then with Aaron Rodgers trying to build chemistry with his wide receivers. I'll give it advantage Vikings.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Don't be surprised if this ends up going in the Packers favor. It's week one. Anything can happen. Vegas has the Packers as a one and a half point favorite in U.S. Bank Stadium. I disagree. I think it should be much closer to Pickham game. I would probably rank this game as Vikings minus one. I do think right now the Packers on paper are a better football team. But you're also playing at US Bank Stadium. The Vikings beat them last year at US Bank Stadium. I would put the Vikings as a slight favorites. So, but and honestly, one and a half points is pretty much a pick'em at US Bank. Uh, make sure that if you're going to the game, you are to drown out those Packers uh, fans that end up buying tickets because they Vikings fans know they can sell their season tickets and make a lot of money from them. Mm-hmm. I they don't do. like it. A lot of times they I don't do play that. Them.
1: This one game, they sell this one game, and it pays for the rest of their season. Yeah, so. pretty
0: much. Um, it, this is going to be a very fun game. We're going to have a lot to talk about next Monday, Dave. Um, excuse me. Um, moving forward, um, please be on the lookout. Um, Dave and I have uh, made had some conversations. Nothing's finalized yet, but we may be moving the show earlier in the night, especially for the Monday night football game. So you can get a show from us without having to miss any of the games. So please pay attention to the climb in the pocket, Twitter, my Twitter, the show's Twitter at real Forno show. We're going to be talking about how this time wise, the show is going to progress and to make sure that you keep tabs on it because we don't want you to miss it. We love having you guys in the comments. This is, this has been a fantastic show for the comments. You guys have been rattling it off all night. Um, Dave, the best part about week one, it's a full week, baby. We have a lot of shows going. What do we have in store for everyone? Well,
1: we do not have Viking hot takes tomorrow. Why? Because those that do not know, the great and wonderful Flip Muzzy got married. He's down on his honeymoon down in Mexico, hopefully having a good time making babies and doing whatever else. People do on their honeymoon. Uh, once he is back, we will have a show. I know Eric Thompson of the Daily Norseman has been itching to get at it. We will have a show. Wednesday, however, we do have Vikings Happy Hour. And not only do we have Vikings Happy Hour, we have it live from Lake Monster Brewing. We will be, the boys will be at the brew hall. And we're getting spammed again. Just got to love this. And then again, we come back with Saturday and two old bloggers. You get me and Darren Campbell up from Yellowknife, Canada, in the great white north. And we will break down and hard look, go into our pregame mode and see how everything looks as of Saturday. If that line's dropped to even across the board, see if there's any news. Whether Bokhtari actually plays or not, whether Aaron Rodgers trips on a scooter and breaks his ankle, or whatever else happens this rest of this week, we'll have it for you on Saturday. And two old bloggers. Until then, what do we say?
0: Thank you for letting us turn your Monday purple. Skull Vikings, everybody! Skull Vikings!